Imagine you walk into a job interview. You make introductions and small talk. Then your interviewer says, let me describe the job we're considering you for, and then goes on to tell you the following. So he says, first, this position has no guaranteed paycheck. You may make money or you may not, but if you ever do make money, it will probably take a while to get there. Second, there are parts of the job that are fun, but I also want you to know that you're not going to have any support. You're going to be doing lots of menial, boring tasks along with the fun stuff. And if you don't know how to do those things, it's your responsibility to figure them out. Third, we don't offer insurance or retirement benefits or childcare credit of any kind. There are no paid holidays or days off. And although the work hours are flexible, I want you to know that when you're not working, you're definitely not going to be making any money. Oh, and if you're injured or disabled in any sort of serious way, we're going to have to let you go. <laughs> so if you are interviewing at a bank or an accounting firm or a manufacturing company of some sort, and this was what they told you, you would laugh your way out the door, right? But let's say that the interview was for a job you really wanted. You loved the work. You felt passionate about it. And let's say that although the paycheck wasn't guaranteed, you knew it was possible to earn a good living because you'd seen other people who had found success in that field. It just required tenacity and some ingenuity. Okay, so maybe that makes it worth the risk to you. Maybe not. And when I say the risk, I don't just mean the risk of not making money. I mean the risk of feeling like a failure, of having your spouse get frustrated because you're not holding up your end of the financial bargain, or of turning 35 or 45 or 55 and realizing that you don't have any retirement savings. It's the risk of getting sick or disabled or being sidelined by a global pandemic, for instance, <laughs> and having no safety net. Those are real risks. And they're the risks that we as entrepreneurs sign up for. So why do we sign up for them? Well, for some, that potential payoff is big enough to warrant the risk. But we're photographers. That's typically not a business that you go into in the hopes of making millions. We're here because we want to create art for a living. We love it. We feel passionate about it. And we can't imagine a better way to spend our time working. But the fact is that love and passion are not enough to protect us from those real world risks that I just talked about. What's more, because of the love and passion that we feel, most photographers actually have a really hard time drawing the line between the worth of their photographs and their own self-worth. They use words like passion in their bios. They share intimate details of their personal lives and their kids and even their religious beliefs when talking about why they do what they do and why someone should hire them instead of someone else in their market. The cultural trend toward the hyper-personalization of small business seems really enticing on the surface, but it cuts both ways. When your Instagram post doesn't get as many likes as you thought it would, or when a potential client says you're charging too much, it doesn't feel like a business transaction. It feels really personal, like being picked last for the team. As an entrepreneur, you and you alone are in the driver's seat of your business. And whereas that can be the very best feeling in the world when things are going well, 
It can also be extremely hard and feel extremely lonely when your phone isn't ringing or a client gets upset or another new photographer in town starts to poach all of your business. So to recap, the reason why we deserve to make good money and love our jobs is that doing so involves a lot of personal investment and vulnerability. And that's only worth it if we're getting paid and enjoying the process. Today is the first of a two-part episode based on the talk that I gave at the Family Narrative in 2019 that ultimately inspired this podcast in the first place. It's called Creating a Business That Feeds Your Soul and Your Family. And even if you've heard this talk before, I hope you'll tune in. In the year and a half since I first gave it, I've had some time to tweak it and make it better. And I'd like to think that it's full of good food for thought. Welcome to This Can't Be That Hard. My name is Anami Tonkin, and I help photographers run profitable, sustainable businesses that they love. Each week on the podcast, I cover simple, actionable strategies and systems that photographers at every level of experience can use to earn more money in a more sustainable way. Running a photography business doesn't have to be that hard. You can do it and I can show you how. Let's talk about the differences between when businesses succeed and when they fail. In order to do that, I'd like to introduce you to the metaphorical mascots of the three business models that I see out there in the world. And they are the unicorn, the workhorse, and the donkey. And I want to warn you that just like in real life, you shouldn't jump to any conclusions about whether one of these is better or faster or more popular. You might be surprised as we go through about who appeals to you most. The unicorn model is a high-end boutique model. In photography, that means custom sessions, artistic editing, fine art product options, bespoke design, and usually a big price tag on the bottom line. Clients expect to be really wowed by the work produced. They expect a lot of pampering along the way. And overall, they expect something of a magical experience. What they don't expect are problems of any kind, and they also don't expect a bargain. So the photographers who use the unicorn model generally have fewer clients because of the time and effort involved with working with each of those clients but they earn more money per client in order to make a reasonable living. The second model is the workhorse, and the workhorse caters to a more mid-range budget. Workhorses offer skilled, reliable service and professional products, and their clients expect a good, solid product and experience at a moderate price. So workhorses streamline their process to accommodate more clients while still delivering good value and usually some personal touches that make their businesses unique. And finally, there's the donkey model. The donkey is a beast of burden. (laughs) He does a lot of work for lower pay, but if the volume is there, he can earn just as much as or even more than his horse and unicorn counterparts. The donkey attracts clients with low prices, but then is able to handle higher volume because he gives each client a very defined and limited amount of time and doesn't include any bells or whistles. So there are examples of these kinds of businesses everywhere, right? Not just in photography. If we're talking about jewelry stores, 
Tiffany is the unicorn, Kay Jewelers is the workhorse, and perhaps the pawn shop down the street is your donkey model. All three may sell diamonds, but the process and the experience are totally different. Same thing with grocery stores or hotel chains or car brands. In every category, you have businesses that charge a premium price for a luxury product and experience, and there are other businesses that crank out a good enough product and they offer that to a wider audience at a lower price. And the thing is, any of these business models can work great, right? Gucci, Chanel, Prada, all three of those are for sure unicorns in the fashion retail world, and they've all been around for over a century. Budweiser, which is manufactured at low cost and high volume, has an annual sales average in the billions with a B. (laughs) Perhaps they should change their ad mascot from the Clydesdale to the donkey. And speaking of workhorses, there are tons of those too. In fashion retail, you'll find the workhorses in nearly every shopping mall. In grocery stores, your regular neighborhood supermarket probably operates on the workhorse model. And if you drive a Toyota Camry like I do, you are riding around in a workhorse. And what do all those have in common? They're successful. So when do businesses fail? Well, let's imagine a couple of scenarios. You walk into Tiffany's, all excited to buy some extravagant necklace that you've had your eye on forever. You've been saving and dreaming about that little blue box and the day has finally arrived. So you walk in the door and instead of being greeted, the salesperson is on her phone and ignores you for the first 10 minutes you're in the store. Finally, she walks over and you ask to see the necklace and she says they have a very strict no touching policy unless you've already made the purchase. That seems kind of weird, but despite all of that, you've had your eye on this necklace for a long time. So you fork over your hard earned money and she hands it to you in a Ziploc bag. (laughs) Where's the box? So you ask and the salesperson rolls her eyes and tells you we're out of boxes, but you know, it's just a box. It's not the necklace. So what happened there? Are you excited to have the necklace? Sure. Maybe. Has Tiffany's lived up to the expectations you had for it? (laughs) Even though the necklace is exactly what you wanted? Not at all. If that were to happen, I would say that Tiffany's was venturing into dirty unicorn territory. So a dirty unicorn is a brand that promises a luxury experience, but doesn't follow through on anything except the big price tag. In the photography world, that might be the boutique photographer who's been in business for a while, but is starting to phone it in. Maybe her prices and her reputation are at the top of the market, but at this point, her heart's not really in the game. Maybe she's burned out, she's starting to cut corners, or maybe she's just kind of resting on her laurels. Meanwhile, in her town, there are new, talented photographers in the area who are offering similar quality but they're paying more attention to the new trends and their clients' wants and needs. The truth is that reputation gets you a long way, but when you build a business on luxury and client experience, your clients' expectations are very high and disappointing them even once can be deadly. Another example in the photo world would be the new photographer who wants to establish a unicorn business model 
but doesn't yet really have the resources necessary to provide that unicorn experience. So I want to point out that that is rarely an issue with the photographs themselves. Instead, it's more often a lack of understanding on the part of the new photographer on how to really create that luxury experience. Part of the luxury experience is demonstrating a lot of authority, which can be hard when you're new. It's also hard when you're not really confident about products or the answers to questions, or if you question your own pricing and seem to hedge. Confidence is a really big part of the unicorn experience. The mystique around the luxury brand experience plays a large role in establishing that high value in a client's mind. But there are other kinds of failures as well. Let's say you're in desperate need of a new pair of jeans, but you don't have any spare cash lying around. So you head to a new store in town that's been advertising what appear to be really nice looking jeans that only cost $15. As you walk in the door, the clerk hands you a glass of champagne and you start to think, uh-oh, there must have been a typo in the ad. They obviously forgot a zero or two on the end of that $15. But no, the attentive, well-spoken sales associate assures you all of the jeans are only $15. Actually, everything in the store is $15. The clothes are all beautifully hung and arranged, and as you walk across the soft carpeted floor toward the dressing room, the sales associate makes some great recommendations about a few designer tops that would look amazing with your new jeans. And all of it's just $15. Sweet. You end up spending a little bit more than you thought you would, but you plan to come back the next week after your paycheck comes in because this place is amazing. Sadly, the next week when you show up ready to buy out the store, the doors are locked and the windows are shuttered. What happened, you wonder? Everyone I know was going there to buy their clothes. Turns out the shop had no problem bringing customers in, but then the rent came due. And this, my friends, <laughs> is the horny ass business model. And if you're not driving right now, I really hope that you'll go to thiscan'tbethathard.com slash podcast slash 038 to see the avatars that I created for these mascots, because honestly, <laughs> they were my favorite part of the talk that I gave at The Family Narrative. Seriously, I will uh, pause to give you a second. Did you go look? The horny ass conundrum is quite honestly a failure that we see all too often in photography. It happens to people who start out with the very best of intentions, although perhaps not the broadest business experience. These are people who daydream about starting a photography business and they love the idea of giving people a really amazing experience. Because really, who doesn't want to give their clients an amazing experience? So, they start out by looking around at the businesses that they admire, and they try to do their best to imitate them. They buy expensive gear, fancy website templates, custom logos, branding, you know, the fancy gallery software. They pick out their favorite products, and then they buy samples to share. And of course, all the while, they're filling their Instagram feeds with photos that maybe are gaining some traction, and everything feels like it's on track. But when it comes time to actually set up their pricing model, the imposter syndrome sets in. And this is where they deviate from imitating the businesses that they admire so much. They figure that because they're new, they can't price their work quite that high. 
And whether or not they know my terminology, what they have is a fear of being a dirty unicorn. So what do they do? They set their prices low, too low to account for the money that they've already invested, much less the money that they need to make to be profitable. And they tell themselves that this is just a starting point. This is just to be safe, and soon they'll feel more confident and they'll raise their prices accordingly. So what happens then? Well, some people get busy at that low price point. In the short term, that feels amazing, right? It validates their decision to go into business in the first place, and they're really happy for the work. But soon they start to burn out because they're working really hard to offer that luxury experience, but they're not getting compensated for it. And often when they try to raise their prices, they get met with a lot of resistance. The problem? They've established a value point for their clients. And once that point is established, it's really hard to break free. Usually, breaking free means getting a whole new roster of clients. Because the clients they've worked with at their low prices, even the ones they know can afford higher prices, tell them that their new prices are too high. So they start feeling stuck and they can't figure out a way forward. Other people don't get busy initially. They struggle to get work even though their prices are low. And of course, that only increases that feeling of imposter syndrome. They sit around wondering what they're doing wrong and that deep-seated insecurity starts to bubble to the surface. And they assume that the reason that they're not getting work is because their photography isn't good enough to warrant even the low prices that they're advertising. So what do they do? They cut their prices again. They're set up to be a unicorn, this boutique-style business, and now they're working for pennies. So what's going on here? I mean, maybe this person isn't getting work because their photography isn't great, but oftentimes that's actually not the issue. Think about it. There are some really bad photographers out there making lots of money. Why? probably because their brand is aligned properly as a unicorn, a workhorse, or a donkey. Because the thing is, it's really hard to entice customers with a confusing brand. And a low-end brand promising high-end art may very well scare some people off just by virtue of appearing to be too good to be true. Those poor horny asses. (laughs) I'm going to continue to laugh at my own joke. What becomes of them? Eventually, they either shake loose of this death spiral and start over with a clearer vision of their business, either raising their prices or choosing to offer a different product and experience for the lower price point that they're charging, or they just close up shop for good. And in that case, they usually close up with a sense of real shame and failure about the whole experience. There's a third category of businesses who maybe don't fail outright like the horny asses and the dirty unicorns, but maybe they struggle longer and harder than they should. For example, what about that photographer whose website says he specializes in everything from sports photography to professional headshots to underwater weddings to newborns? Or the other photographer whose reviews on Google range from a couple of people who are thrilled to a client who's threatening to take him to court? Or what about the photographer whose name you can't quite remember because everything from her branding to her photos to the wording on her website is just like every other photographer you've looked up? 
These, my friends, are the lame horses. In between the two more extreme examples of the dirty unicorn and the horny ass, there are a thousand different formulas that don't quite work. Most businesses and products fall somewhere between the top and the bottom of the market. And when you put your business in that mid-range, it feels like a safer bet in many ways. The problem is that there is a lot more competition in the middle, and you will have to work a lot harder to make yourself stand out. Otherwise, you're just kind of limping along like a lame horse. So I have given you a lot to think about here. Can you identify your own business model among these? Are you set up to be a unicorn, a workhorse, or a donkey? And can you see where you might have some areas of your business that get dangerously close to the dirty unicorn, the lame horse, or the horny ass? The good news is that getting your business into alignment isn't as hard as it may seem. In fact, the hardest part may just be in our own minds. Many of us feel pressure to run a business that looks and feels a certain way or appeals to certain people, even if that's not really what's right for us or our market. What if I told you that all you need to do to attract and maintain a loyal, happy client base is to get 100% clear and consistent about three things? who you are, who your clients are or should be, and what it is that you offer. And then use those three principles to guide all of your decisions about your business. That kind of consistency will allow you to eventually find and connect with your target audience and over time will allow you to build trust with them. The side benefit to developing that client is that you yourself will come to fully believe in your brand. And that, my friends, is an amazing weapon in the battle to be a successful small business artist. So next week, in part two of this episode, I am going to help you do just that. And I can't wait to see you there. Well, that's it for this week's episode of This Can't Be That Hard. I'll be back same time, same place next week. In the meantime, you can find more information about this episode, along with all the relevant links, notes, and downloads at thiscan'tbethathard.com learn. If you like the podcast, be sure to hit the subscribe button. Even better, share the love by leaving a review in iTunes. And as always, thanks so much for joining me. I hope you have a fantastic week.